Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's football season. Well, football preseason, but that's good enough reason for us to talk about it here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to this edition of the Doghouse, your first of August, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. What's about to start, as noted, is fall football practice. Now, funny to say fall when the temperatures are spiking up near triple digits. In fact, uh, it's supposed to peak this very Friday and Saturday when camp begins for the Bulldogs and Coach Zach Arnett. But for tradition's sake, we will call it fall camp. What we will not say for tradition's sake is two-a-days. It's taken a while to get that out of our system, but one of the wise decisions, one of the very few wise decisions made by the NCAA in recent decades, is to do away with two-a-days. And while some lingering old-time coaches uh, limit the loss of these things, the truth is that two-a-days are no longer productive because Thanks to, say, at Mississippi State, Coach Tyson Brown, the Bulldogs report to camp certainly ready to practice, uh, maybe even physically ready to play compared to uh, long ago when you had to use two-a-days as a way to get guys warmed up, loosened up, and ready to play football. Oh, no. Now you go straight into teaching football, and the teaching starts this Friday. It starts Friday morning, in fact, which uh, maybe will be a little cooler, but probably a lot more humid. Hey, Sounds like I'm whining a little bit. Now, been through enough of these things that uh, I can certainly deal with the heat and humidity. Sometimes it's the humility that may get to you as a media member watching these guys go at it without uh, too much trouble and thinking, yeah, and I'm already here about to wilt. Trainer, can I borrow some water? Nah, it's going to be fun because this is Zach Arnett's first full football camp and a chance to watch what the Bulldogs are going to look like in 2023. Of course, we got a preview back in spring, but now you've got all the summer arrivals, including a couple of tight ends, hallelujah and glory be, and all the guys should be healthy. We don't know of anyone who's going to miss at this point. That's another thing we'll be looking for when we first walk out on the practice fields and see if there's anybody in the rehabilitation pit. That's a... And that's a touchy subject. Uh, Coaches can get a little tense sometimes about reporting injuries or health situations, so we'll probably word it pretty carefully and not give a whole lot of direct information if we can even find out what the ailments are, save in cases where it was known from spring what happened. But uh, we'll be as discreet as we can. Of course, we only get two full observations here in the first week of camp, Friday and Saturday, starting at 9.45. I mentioned they're going in the morning. So we will be wrapping up and talking to Coach Arnett on Friday, then selected players and others on Saturday after the practice is finished those days. Those are the only two chances we have to watch the full practice. Well, August 13th, I believe. Not sure whether that be a scrimmage or not. In fact, the schedule we've been given does not state whether any scrimmages will be open to media observation, but we will check on that and be asking Coach Arnett and the PR staff uh, in the next couple of days at full observation. 
Oh, by the way, let's take care of some business here because BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's all caps, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And as said, what starts this Friday is football. See, it didn't say fall there. Uh, the 945 session and then post-practice talk with Coach Arnett uh, Saturday. And by the way, we'll be talking to Arnett again on Monday and getting him, it looks like, on the, again on the schedule we're giving, something like twice a week all up to the final week ahead of the opening game, last week of August that would be. This is more practice availability with the head coach than we had under Mike Leach. Uh, certainly um, more than Joe Moorhead, for that matter, more most years than Dan Mullen. Uh, generally, we'd get the head coaches about once a week and then start spreading it out among assistants and coordinators and players. But no, uh, by the media schedule we have, we get Arnett quite often here in August. So, hey, we'll be coming up with new questions to ask that uh, don't involve injuries and do involve how they're going here in his first camp, as noted. Uh, the schedule, like I said, uh, August 13th. Now, we don't know when the scrimmages are going to be or whether to open. I'm going to guess just based on uh, some of the timing that there will be a scrimmage on August 19th, looking at the calendar we were handed here. Perhaps it will be one of the 12th, but possibly they'll scrimmage on Sunday the 13th because that is a fully open one to media, and it's in the evening. Well, we'll see. Every coach has his own philosophy on how much we get to watch uh, practices and scrimmages. Uh, let's see, we're not—we're never going to go back to the 2000s when Sly Croom had, say, the first hour or so of practice, all the position drills and such open, and then when it went to 11 on 11, closed down. Mullen was a little tighter. Before that, Jackie Sherrill, and what well, I should really say, before the internet. You could watch the whole darn thing because nobody was going to be reporting or tweeting or whatevering from practice on the media side. You had to wait till you get back and then get it filed on your newspaper or go on live radio at the time. Yep, internet changed a whole lot of things about practice coverage. Now, it's, it's a very interesting and it's been raised by quite a few college commentators why college coaches close down practices and the NFL doesn't. Well, there's a reason. The NFL office tells teams they got to keep it open, whereas in college, every school and every coach gets to make his own decision. It's generally not because coaches are so concerned that any secrets will be given away, because frankly, if media, and especially today's media, can pick up on anything scheme-wise or tendencies that could be of use for an upcoming opponent, uh, particularly an upcoming opponent like Southeastern Louisiana, well, that's highly unlikely, but I've learned years ago the real reason most coaches tend to shut down and practice, convenience, because quite bluntly, we media can get in the way. Uh, nobody's been hurt in many years, as best I remember all the practices I've attended, and boy, have I attended a lot of practices over these four decades. Uh, we had one occasion of a heat frustration that took down a guy from the Tupelo paper some time ago. That's a, still a humorous memory that we bring up to him whenever we see him again. 
But generally, media can be a little bit of a bother, getting in way, going places they're not supposed to. So uh, this is more for coaches just eliminating distractions. The media, they want to make sure the players are performing for their coaches and not for watching cameras and notepads and such. Regardless, it's good of Coach Arnett to give us the amount of observation we get, and we will certainly give all the full reporting we can. Our full team at Gene's Page 24-7, Steve, Robbie, Paul, Mike, and myself will be out there uh, trying to come up with uh, everything we can pass on to you, and a little bit more sometimes. So be sure to follow this for the practice. It's also interesting, too, about the uh, morning sessions. Now, that's something us media have asked for for years. Not that we like being early risers. Most of us aren't, myself included. But being able to start practice in the mid-morning and get it done around noonish, then go do your interviews, transcribe, file your stories, do your tweets, all sorts of things, and be done by middle of the afternoon, that's something we definitely look forward to. So thank you, Coach, for this. It looks like State will go the first, uh, see, how many days? Six sessions. They're going to be in morning. Then they'll start alternating morning and early afternoon, middle afternoon, right up to the start of classes, I believe, sometime around uh, August 15th, 16th. I think that's what the academic schedule is looking like right now. Anyway, that's what's been going on on the field as far as the schedule. And also... Um, you know, we posted our five-question story this past Sunday, and, you know, typically when we do these kind of stories, they're expected of us, we focus on some of the annual things at most college programs, like uh, quarterback and quarterback and, again, quarterback. Well, not only is that not an issue with Will Rogers back for his fourth season, but you also know how it's setting up with Mike Wright as your number two. So quarterback can take a back seat as far as the questioning goes this year. In fact, most of the offense avoids questions. I think really the only major question I have right now on the offense, and it isn't even so much of who, but how much and how quickly will they fit Jaquarius Spivey and Ryland Goat into the system at the long-awaited tight end. Because remember, both of them were not around for spring ball. They've come in the summer, transfers respectively from TCU and Georgia, who just happened to meet in the championship game this past year. And now they're on the same team here in Starkville. So my question being, how fast will Jaquarius Spivey take over the tight end position? Because if there's one guy that left during the Mike Leach regime that I really wish would have hung around, it's Spivey especially if you remember all the catches he made in the Egg Bowl in 2020. So adding him into Kevin Barbe's system, you just can't wait to see what he does. Of course, Antonio Harmon, converted wide receiver to tight end, uh, gives a wild card element to that position. Yeah, I'm rattling on about tight ends because I, like most old-time fans and even some uh, younger generation fans, are pretty thrilled to have tight ends back in the system because it's a commentary into one small area on the larger fact that Mississippi State will have a much expanded offensive system. We saw flashes of it in spring because so much was still in the installation process. And, you know, Barbe, of course, new to the system, still figuring out his players and deciding what he can do. And, of course, he was missing some personnel as well that are now full strength and ready to go or have come in summer eligible and can be plugged in. He did have the veteran offensive line, which is the starting point, and to me, the greatest plus, along with Rodgers, that State has going into the season. And now we get a better idea of how Jaquarius Marks 
Of course, with the departure of Dylan Johnson, how Simeon Price factors in, and can the new running backs be factors as well? So there will be things, obviously, to watch about the offense, but I'm not going to go so far to say there's any big raging questions on that side of the ball. Well, maybe other than uh, how many snaps can you get to Lou Griffin out of the slot, and what is your rotation going to be on the outsides as well? But you know there's the bodies, and the fact that now you're just using three instead of four true wideouts cuts down on the rotation, so it'll be much simpler putting those depth charts together as well. Now, most of our questions turn on the defensive side of the ball. And by the way, none of that is related to the change in defensive coordinator. Uh, Zach Arnett joked after the Lyquist Bowl and uh, several times more during spring that uh, Matt Brock will be doing a better job at defensive coordinator than even he did in his three years in the job. Well, I'm not going to go so far to say as Brock is already better than his boss, but Matt Brock is going to be a dang good coordinator, and he inherits the core of what should be a pretty solid defense with your upfront guys, Jaden Crumity and Nathan Pickering. Then you plug in the Watson and Johnson tandem at the linebacker positions, then you start asking the questions. Who's going to be the edge rusher? And how does he also handle the run? Or do they alternate guys at defensive end slash third tackle? Or do you use an outside linebacker there? And we're going to miss Tyrus Wheat greatly. You don't ask anyone to replace what he did himself, but you mix and match and use the available outside linebackers slash defensive ends slash hybrid guys, whoever and whatever they are. That's one thing or two, we should say, that we'll be watching here in camp. Uh, who takes the lead there? And really, what's the kind of the breakdown as far as the formations? Will they stay with the 3-3-5, that is Arnett's preferred system? Or do indeed they flex, as he has suggested, going more to a 4-2 because you've got the two known linebackers and use more defensive line and pull a safety? And in fact, who will those safeties be? And that, to me, the single biggest question on the defensive side is how they shake out at safety. Uh, we have a ton of transfers who've come in in spring are still arriving. And certainly the recent years, the success of guys like Jalen Green and Jackie Matthews as transfer safeties says that, yeah, you can plug and play. But if I have to guess, and yes, right now I'm guessing, when they line up, you're starting, well, starting, your opening trio at the safety positions would be old dog Sean Preston, who seems to have been around forever. And in fact, I believe he turns 24 at some point soon. And he'd be playing at, I guess, the nickel safety position. Then you look for the converted cornerback Marcus Banks, who moved into safety last year and now is performing there. Had, a, I thought, a pretty decent spring at the position as well, still adapting to corner after his years at Alabama as, as a corner. I mean, adapting to safety, obviously. And Corey Ellington, a guy of obvious talent. And if he can just harness that talent and control that temperament, he has excellent chance to step right into one of those safety jobs. But then again, you've got transfers who they came here to play. They're from Power 5 programs, and they didn't just show up and start well to sit around. So there'll be genuine competition at all the safety spots. So when I throw out those three, that's kind of what I would expect to be the first time they line up in 11-on-11. My guess that's who the three would be after that first snap. All bets are off. And what's going to happen at the safety positions, of course, to Cameron Richardson will be at one of the corners. And we'll see if Isaiah Furge holds on to the other corner or if he gets surpassed by some of the new guys, younger guys, whatever. But 
lots of questions on the defensive side of the ball. I think there are answers for most, maybe even all of the questions, but that will have to be worked out during the course of camp. Oh, by the way, my other question, number five in the list, was about place kicker. Yes, Mississippi State has gotten used to bringing in transfer place kickers. You go back to Brandon Ruiz, who, had he been healthy, you still wonder how the 21 season would have played out entirely. And, of course, last year, uh, Massimo Biscardi and George Dropoulos, they had their rough stretches, particularly in September, but at the end of the season came through with the clutch kicks in the Egg Bowl and the Reliquist Bowl. But they're all gone. And now here comes Nicholas Barmira from UCLA. He's expected to walk right in and take the the starting job at place kicker. In fact, that's what he did back in spring. But the results were pretty mixed during the course of camp. So has he developed more consistency over the course of the summer, working out a lot on his own? And what's his range going to be like? Because as much as we expect this offense to be more productive, both passing and running the ball, there's still going to be plenty of times that you want to have that three-point option in your back pocket when you're making decisions on second and third downs, what you're going to do on the other side of the field. Analytics ain't everything, folks. Sometimes you just got to have that gut feeling that I feel safe doing this because my place kicker can give us three points with a strong percentage possibility. But can he really do it? We're going to find out. Well, maybe not even find out in the camp. It may do the season before we really prove it because that's just how it works with kicking. But State has managed to pull some things together in the special teams game. Obviously, the return game's in great shape. So we'll watch that play out. And, you know, punter as well. Will veterans hold on to it? Will new guys come in? Because Lord knows you look at the list of walk-ons and others who showed up. And, of course, now you have Australian Keelan Crimmins coming in. A rugby style punter, or maybe I should say Aussie style punter, because that's now taking over the game. So there's questions there to be answered. But the good thing is, every question I mention, all of them together certainly add up to some general concerns about you know how good the team would be individually. I think there's answers to every one there. The larger story is that Mississippi State, in this case, if the questions are successfully answered, to me, it's the difference from being an eight-win team and being a nine or better win team if you get these things answered just right. That's a great place to be. So let's see if State can get there through fall camp. By the way, this is also the weeks when watch lists are being announced. And so far as we record this on Wednesday night, yep, still Wednesday night, uh, three dogs have been nominated already to watch list. Uh, of course, Will Rogers is for the Maxwell Award given to college football's MVP. Jaden Crumity was nominated for the Outland. And by the way, here's a guy who didn't get enough votes to make all SEC preseason because he only played five games last season. But obviously, enough was seen from his play then and the previous year to know this guy is definitely deserving of a shot at the Outland Award given to the best interior lineman, offense or defense in the country. Jaden Crumity, he's got a shot to be one of those, definitely one of the very best in the Southeastern Conference this year. And Nate Watson is up for the Nagurski Award given to the defensive MVP out there uh, at all positions. A little surprised Jet Johnson didn't make the cut for the Nagurski, considering how many are on that list. But when they announce, oh, let's see, the Butkus Award sometime next week, which is a linebacker specific, I will be extremely shocked and disappointed if both Johnson and Watson are not on that particular watch list. 
And about the time some of you hear this or listen to it, you will have already heard that I'm, I'm going to be again surprised when the Horning Award watch list is announced if Tulu Griffin is not on it. It's an all-purpose award. It can be offense or defense, but generally it goes to guys who play offense and also play in special teams. Well, that's Tulu Griffin, who has the bigger reputation on special teams, obviously, as a kickoff, I'm sorry, punt return specialist there. So he deserves it, and you certainly expect his receiving total to go up. So he, I, I, it will be extremely disappointing if he is not on the Hornig list. And I think there's an outside shot that Xavier Thomas, also an All-American like Tulu Griffin, in returning kicks, he should have a shot at as well. But Griffin probably overshadows him having made all Southeastern Conference last season and being one of State's few preseason All-SEs picks by the media. Refer to last week's podcast because we don't want to go over the sour feelings of that issue. And then they'll keep winding through the awards list. Uh, who else has a chance to be on there? I would expect Crumity and Watson to get some more for the all-around defensive awards. A couple more of those still to come, uh, like the Bignarik Award as well. Uh, Will Rogers should make the Davey O'Brien watch list. And we'll see. Of course, nobody's going to make the punter or place-kicking list. Those came out on Wednesday. And so it's, does it mean anything? Well, yeah, it's always good to be on the watch list and be mentioned. It certainly gives us something to write about and talk about. But then you've got all the regular season. And of course, remember that last year, one of the great oversights, Emmanuel Forbes was not, repeat, not on the preseason Thorpe Award list, but he was added during the course of the season and, of course, became a semifinalist. So just because you're not on the list right now is not definitive, but it certainly helps. So, again, it gives you something to look at. And, again, it's also intriguing that State is getting more respect, Bulldogs individually, by national media and various watch groups than they are from the SEC press score in Nashville. Yeah, I said I wouldn't mention it again, and I did. Time to stop now because that's uh, an old bone I just don't want to chew on anymore. What else is going on in football right now? Well, of course, getting the team started in practice is the main story. But uh, let's keep an eye on recruiting as well. The state is up to 16 commits, but down in the rankings, I believe 24-7. Uh, state was as high as 18th. Now they're 30th. But with uh, other schools starting to stock up on commitments, that's why the shuffling in the scores. And if we're really paying attention, most of the scoring is close enough that really the difference between 20 and 30 just isn't that great. It comes down to numbers and it comes down to the high profile positions. So I think State, as they add more to this recruiting class, will settle back in certainly in the middle 20s and perhaps eventually make it to a top 20 class where they've been. Um, That's another thing that's more about bragging points and about the real season. What matters to me is the balance of the class right now because, let's see, since we last talked about recruiting, every now every position group is represented, including specialists. Yes, defensive backs have been added, linebackers have been added, so now uh, there's something of everything in this class, which obviously is your goal most years to be balanced and flex it out. But uh, let's see, what's the total right now? You're still at four offensive linemen, most of them playing tackle at their current uh, high school addresses. But uh, come on, some of them will probably move to guard as well. 
but that's a good start. If you can hold on to those linemen and two defensive linemen, you want to get more there, but you see six out of your 16 play on the line of scrimmage. That's what you want. You've got one fair-sized linebacker as well. And the other largest position representation is at receiver. And they're listed as just general receivers, but three of them are true wideouts, and one is another tight end because, as stated, you're going to lose some tight ends off this class, the seniors and graduate senior transfers to boot. So they'll be checking out, and you start keeping that position stockpiled in coming years because Mississippi State, how often am I going to say this? Tight ends are back. Now, as far as the season up ahead, of course, it kicks off on September 2nd with Southeastern Louisiana, and it begins a three-game homestand on Scott Field. I saw on social media today uh, the several hundred tickets remain season tickets, so they're going fast there. And we predicted, of course, that this would be a very, very good year for season tickets, partly because so many players are coming back, partly because there's a popular new coach that has taken over. It's still fascinating just to see how Zach Arnett has just grabbed this fan base by the heart and they've joined in on it. Uh, They loved him already for his work as defensive coordinator, for the fact that he turned down so many job offers from other schools, including SEC programs, to stay at Mississippi State. And now here he is rewarded as the head coach, which in a sense he was head coach in waiting already. Well, there ain't no waiting anymore. And he has a bowl victory under his belt, which certainly does good things for season ticket sales as well. And the biggest factor, as always, is who you play. You got the big three rivals coming in, Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss this year, plus the addition of Southern Miss coming back to campus the week before the Egg Bowl. That in and of itself makes it a really good sell. Then you have the visit from Arizona. Your Power 5 mandate game is on Scott Field this year out of eight, repeat, eight home games. You know, that was kind of my concern, and to be honest, that was Mississippi State's minor concern. An eight-game home schedule does add up for a season ticket, but State did a good job of keeping prices relatively down for eight home games as compared to seven most years, and fans have responded. I think they would have responded had the prices been even higher, but State, again, made a conscious effort to try to keep the tickets as affordable as possible, especially in this day of competing with all sorts of factors to get fans just to come to the game. Well, Mississippi State fans have responded and the tickets are being sold. Individual game tickets will be going on sale as well. You start looking for those. And road game tickets, too. And I've noticed uh, advertisements from, say, South Carolina uh, to for the handful. Because I say handful of tickets, a few thousand. Fans don't travel like they used to, but schools still negotiate with each other on how many tickets to give. The ticket offices talk to each other. Mike Ritchie and I have had conversations about this frequently, and he says they all try to work together because, hey, it's in those schools' interest to sell those tickets too, even if it's being sold to visiting fans. So I certainly expect a good sales for South Carolina, which is a great place, and state hasn't been in several years. Uh, I think that most tickets for the Auburn game will be sold to fans, not because we love going to Auburn, although it's it's a fine place. I have many friends down there. But because State has a two-year winning streak, and now they have a chance to run that to three, and especially at the expense of a coach that uh, they certainly enjoyed beating when he was at another SEC address. And State will be should be favored in this matchup as well. Uh, The other road games being at Texas A&M at Arkansas. And I will say this, if you've never been to a game at A&M, do it. I'm not going to say it's in the class of a trip to Baton Rouge for an evening game. Ain't nothing like that. And I have no shame 
are no hesitation to sit there and say that. It is unique and to be experienced at all costs somehow, sometime during your football lifetime. But you really need to make a trip to A&M as well and watch a game at College Station because it's a cult. It's a nice cult, but it's a cult. So if you got a chance to get those tickets, get it. And remember, State has a two-year winning streak on them and has really dominated the series the last, what, half dozen years or so, no matter what the matchups were. That's another reason why when I made my preseason prediction, I tabbed State third in the SEC West because when you've got two-year winning streaks over Auburn, A&M, you beat Arkansas last year, should have beaten them the previous year, you feel pretty good about doing it again with a team that knows what it feels like to beat those guys. So that's our quick look at football right now. We'll be doing full reportage starting on Friday. Um, myself, Steve, Paul, Robbie, Mike will all be out there uh, doing our Q&A reports, our feature stories, notebooks, depth charts, all sorts of things. And we're going to crash the coverage the first two days because that's our first and probably best chance to really observe what's going on in camp before things start getting a little bit eliminated or closed down with 20 minutes to observe and then go stand back and wait for everything to wrap up and do our interviews. Now, what we'd like to do some interviews with when they get back in the country is Chris Jans and the Basketball Bulldogs because they're coming off a three-victory week or so in Portugal with wins over the Lisbon All-Stars, the Portugal All-Stars, and the Basketball Association of Porto. Surely you've heard of them. Porto, Porto. Wasn't he a character in the Three Musketeers? No. You know, I could get wrapped up in the details of the trip, going through all the reports we have, courtesy of media relations and other interviews that Paul Jones were able to get a hold of. But a couple of things just jump out at me. For one thing, yeah, the defense, it's still the Bulldog calling card. The dogs still do D. And that's to the order of in their last game against Porto, 21 steals. I don't care who you're playing, especially guys at that level. You steal the ball 21 times, you're doing something right on defense and totally wrecking the other team. So that's good, but what's got fans really encouraged now is the offensive show in Portugal. I think in the three games, what was it, 37 three-pointers made? When you have Josh Hubbard just shredding defenses, shooting the ball from distance. Uh, as PJ said on Twitter, maybe it'd be a good idea for teams to guard him. Oh, I think it's a great idea for teams not to guard him. Just, just stand back and let him shoot. You'll enjoy it. The Bulldogs certainly will. But also, he was passing the ball well uh, with a lot of assists. Uh, DJ Jeffries and Shaquille Moore, they were sharing assists. You know, that was one of the little surprises from today's final game. There was, uh, I think, two more unassisted baskets than there were assisted baskets. But Maybe that's more a commentary on the defense that they were facing. Guys were able to make their own plays without necessarily moving the ball that much. In the other games, the assist totals were well up. Even in the game, State scored triple digits there. The dogs were just distributing the ball. Defense, distribution, that'll do it. I think I'm going to try to keep a fun staff this season. The games are certainly in the pre-Southeastern Conference season. I'm going to compare assist on offense to steals on defense. If it's anywhere close to even, watch out for this being a truly balanced Bulldog bunch. And that's what they showed. Um, I think what the outside shooting I mentioned, 
uh, overall shooting, game two, I think 23 of the 36 field goals had assists as well. So they can get the ball, and, and everybody was doing it. Everybody was getting the ball to teammates to score. Toe Smith, yeah. You can build quite a team around him, but now the supporting cast he's got, hey, Keyshawn Murphy in a red shirt last year, he looks like he can really be not just an, a relief minutes for Smith, but be an actual factor himself scoring in the post. You know, I mentioned guys like Jeffries and Moore, of course, Cam Matthews, Mr. All-Around. You can do a little bit of everything there. And now you have the new faces to plug in, the Jimmy Bells, the Adrian Myers, and others. This is going to be an exciting team to watch because they score and they defend. Well, they certainly score and they defend against Portugal. We saw them defend last year. Now you plug in these new parts. You have guys that are more confident shooting the ball. They're getting the ball in positions to shoot the ball. Yeah, this has a chance to be a really entertaining team when they tip off the season on November 18th against Washington State. Uh, we need to get the preseason schedule as well. Don't happen to have that at hand right here. Yeah, I didn't do my homework on that one. But, you know, a lot of fun to keep up with the basketball on top of that. Except we're so busy with football. And, in fact, that's also kept us from giving full depth coverage to baseball. But that's been Steve Robertson's department. He's been keeping close track of what State and Chris Lamonis are doing in the transfer portal. A disappointment as far as starting pitching. Still a couple of guys out there to go after. And, of course, it's all the waiting on Braden game. Braden Montgomery, Stanford transfer, or likely transfer, because he could still stay at his old school. What's he going to do? Well, maybe that question has to come soon uh, because, hey, like I said, fall semester starts in another, hmm, just a little over two weeks, certainly here at State. I don't know what the academic schedule is, other places he would be looking, but if we don't have a decision out of Montgomery by the end of this week, count me as somebody going, what is going on at that point? And, of course, a lot of people want to know what's going on with Bulldog baseball portal recruiting, but that's just the nature of it. And that's what the NCAA's portal schedule has done to the sport. Remember, just because the portal's closed, as long as guys are already in it, they can take their dear sweet time waiting, or at least until the fall semesters begin at their future destination, or they decide to go back to their current address. How you recruit under these circumstances, I don't know. How you handle your high school recruits, your junior college guys who are fixed to go through fall ball, they've been practicing, some of them have already got their apartments in town, and they're wondering, hey, is the coach going to add somebody here in the last week that's going to take my position away and cost me playing time? I think of all sports, maybe it's going to be baseball. The transfer portal does the most to potentially damage chemistry or create chemistry. I mean, if you're operating out of a full, basically free agency type of program, then it comes down to can a coach bring in a new team every year and plug in just enough veteran parts and keep them happy and contributing as well. I don't know what the answer is. Time's going to tell on that one. Certainly here at Mississippi State, where after two really lost seasons, it's got to be a huge, fast, and complete turnaround over the winter and get this team ready for February. And it's going to be some of the final touches here in the portal that determine probably just what state's potential is in total for the 2024 season. But that's baseball. Kind of running out of time here, so we'll leave reports of that to Steve and his podcast as well. You can check it out on Gene's page 24-7. 
and our material as well. Again, notice as we get ready to cover camp, some pieces we've done. Of course, I'll be updating the awards list announcements as they come out through the rest of this week. And thank you for checking in. If you like what you're hearing here, give us a like on Apple Podcasts. How about it? Thanks to our sponsor, Bet Online, And this has been The Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. And this is your host again, David Murray, saying thanks for listening. We'll be talking to you soon. And next time we talk, we'll be talking fall football practice for real. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.